It's not getting it, getting it. Welcome everybody out there in podcast land. The Good Times with Good People Company proudly presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. Good. Now that you've received your invitation, join us. Grab a cocktail, light a cigar, or whatever you like to smoke. Tell a friend and welcome to the party. I'm your host and moderator, Rio, and let's introduce today's panel. We've got our returning champion, Chris O'Connor. He's the owner of Liquid Nine Entertainment and Investments, as well as having interest in Rieger Whiskey and Office Works. We've got Big Dave Elliott. He is the owner of CMP Construction. Ben Roberts. He is the bartender extraordinaire here at the Pendergast Club. And, of course, the anonymous female, because she doesn't want you to know her name. Uh, and today, on episode 54 of the Loft Party Podcast, we um, have our first interview of the new year, and we are interviewing Blanket Undercover. That is the uh, artistic team of, um, uh, and if I'm saying your names incorrectly, please correct me, uh, Megan Mancha? Mantia. Mantia. And uh, Leon? Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon and Reeves. Yes. Um, so we had the pleasure, uh, the anonymous female and I had the pleasure of making these young ladies' acquaintance uh, at a production that another friend of mine puts on. Uh, so I will give a quick plug to uh, Shelf Life and uh, David Wayne Reed, um, who does an amazing show and telling of uh, objects and um, their and their stories and and uh, every he does this every couple of months and the show is themed um, this last Saturday the theme was wanderlust and um, everybody's good subject everybody's object was pretty amazing but these two ladies um, their object and the story behind it uh, was so powerful and uh, fits right into what we usually do here, and that's politics and current events, that I felt like uh, everybody out there in podcast land probably should hear this. So, before we dig in too deep, let's play a quick party game. So, we do this every show. We ask at least one, maybe two party game questions. Break some ice. Then we get into it. So, do we really have a week where nobody died? Yeah, yeah, we actually do. Yeah, we, we usually do. Charlie Murphy. Uh, yeah, no, we talked about Charlie Murphy. Oh, you know what? We actually did. We were, we were going to talk about Charlie Murphy this week. Yeah, uh, but we thought we so, had too much meat. So, <laughs> Charlie Murphy got upscale. So you actually, you're absolutely right. So. Rest in peace, Charlie Murphy. Uh, we were uh, going to do uh, politics as usual and talk about Charlie Murphy, and then I met these young ladies, and I thought their story needs to be told immediately, and we will double back to Charlie Murphy because I think we all have great Charlie Murphy stories, uh, as we're all big Chappelle Show fans, except for the anonymous female. So, <laughs> Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I like Dave Chappelle. Well, Dave Chappelle's okay. show. No. Okay. Oh. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so, first question: uh, Would you rather make out with a walrus or never make out ever again? 
I think that's just a crazy question. I do too. I would make out with a walrus for sure. <laughs> I would totally make out with a walrus. Yeah. It sounds fun. Actually. I make out with my dog every day. <laughs> <laughs> no one's taking making out out away from me. Yeah. yeah I'm just saying, I'm thinking. I'll do it. Yeah. Like if taking if making out is off of the table all together. <laughs> yeah. How passionately do we have to make out with this walrus? Are you kidding me? Do you even need to ask hey, that question? Be a stoic man. Definitely with tongue. There's got to be. Yeah. You can. It's not like kissing your dog on the like mm, when you hold his mouth closed. That's close. not making out. Like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta fully, you gotta fully go forward with the watch. Making out includes bodily contact. As long as it's not like animal assault. Or oh well, yeah, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not taking it. We're not taking it too far. All we know at this table is making out is never taken off the table. So unanimously. Uh, making out with a walrus, walrus and brushing our teeth. Okay, all right. I'm making oh, out with uh, a walrus, I'm definitely and, brushing my teeth. Oh my god! And before yeah, we get started, because only purely because uh, I forgot to delete it off of my list, so uh, there there's a bonus uh, bonus mini topic that I personally thought was hilarious. Uh, but the question is... How long was she married? The question is... I didn't even know she was married. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> okay. here, that's, that's here's the question. At what point um, are you getting a divorce settlement or you're a gold digger? Here's the question. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Oh, point you get a divorce settlement or you're, or you're a gold digger? Oh, you're a gold digger. And here's why. Uh, so, Jack Jack's getting divorced. And her prenup gets her $500 million. Who is the guy? Uh, some Saudi prince or something. Oh, ah! Did yeah, yeah, yeah. she the baby recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saudi born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She yeah. married to a Saudi prince? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She's so, so wait, good at so, 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 so the prenup. So the prenup says, as long as you stay with me for five years, you get $100 million a year. If you stay with me for five years. She's been with him exactly five and a half years. Ooh. Dude, a chicken Saudi Arabia is worth five hundred million <laughs> You get it, you've earned it, you've done all that crap. Three, it's a three months after giving country. birth, she uh-uh. said Goodbye. Is he very beautiful? Is that why he's he's fairly handsome? But I'm also thinking this is a this is Moving her into Middle Eastern culture, and this is a black girl from Gary. At the end of the day, she, she's um, yeah, she's not gonna, and she's a Jehovah's Witness. She's not cool with whatever the hell she's got to do. No, she's a over there. She's using. She's a business person. Yeah, and, which is what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. he's kind of cute. I say he's a good-looking guy. Well then, uh, so wait. So what's the question? So at what also, point wait, do we are you getting a divorce settlement? Wait, I have some. Or like, what are we what, labeling? Was this a planned gold digging? This was definitely a planned move, this but is... I don't know if it's necessarily a gold digging move. And it's possible that maybe he has an alternative lifestyle that we don't know about that he needed her to be his. He could be a bear. Yeah, this yeah. is true. Yeah. Didn't think about Hollywood that. Marriage. I think of course, and also a family-related marriage. Like maybe he wasn't going to yep. get his. 
inheritance ah, and if he didn't produce mm, okay. or, or in an area. And who wouldn't want to produce a child? Did they, did well, they, yeah, yes. did they have a child? Yes. Is it a male yes. child? Yes. I believe. Yeah. And, and, and I, think it's, I think it's a boy. Oh, wow. I, I believe so. So that's, she probably really filled that order. Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think she earned her money. That's all I'm saying. What if he okay. has to do with billions of dollars? Who this means nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. He has also, billions you know there was paperwork. Like, everyone knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He has billions of dollars. He made a deal. He was going, and this was in the prenup. So it's not like she's. She's divorcing him and saying, hey, I want $500 million. She even did an extra happy year. This I'm was saying, in the prison. This was like... This is so like she, a. So she got a bonus six months. Is that you? She's also old, right? Like she's I fifty. Agree. Yeah, she's like fifty. Uh, she's fifty. Uh, <laughs> if I had five million and one dollar, I would still <laughs> get rid of the five hundred million just for the five years I gotta walk around here. I'm married to Jack. Yes, yes. Hey, she looks no, good. No, 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 no. She's had a beautiful baby boy at over age fifty. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I I think there may be a dissenting opinion at the table. There ain't no way Big Dave would do something. No. I don't care. Okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. I, got, I got one for you. I got one for you. I got one for you. Raquel Welch would be different. In Ra- yes. <laughs> Raquel Welch. But then that's the same. But then also, if you can think about it like this, you the have, question like, isn't whether you would do it. Okay. It's whether she's a gold digger. She filed for divorce. That's the part of the conversation that we wouldn't have had. Though, is, uh, it's much more controversial for a fifty-year-old woman to have a baby than a fifty-year-old man. Due to obviously medical Yeah, because it's reasons. very, I mean, she definitely put herself in some jeopardy. Yeah. 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 I want to really know. Slash, it's cute. I just thought it's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. It is a cute baby. All right, so okay. are, we ready, are we ready to move, <laughs> yeah. move forward yeah. off of the party conversation? Apparently, that was more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bigger, more that yeah. Uh, you know, you're going to get $100 million every year. Yeah. yeah. That's and, sweet. And you couldn't hang out for. More time. Give me five hundred million once versus hundred million every year. I'd like more to money see some charity and donation after this. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called because the Jackson Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they're doing amazing things, I'm fine with that. But if, yeah. it's, if it's just some like to get fifty percent of the way, yeah. Then she don't. What if it's just for the baby's education? Oh, yeah. please. No, she doesn't care. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. She costs half a million dollars. I can't believe it. Okay, okay, all right, all right. I'm raining it in, I'm raining it in. Okay. Wait, I just want to say This actually went way deeper than I thought it was going. You get the last word. Uh, The oldest profession in the world is prostitution. And that's it. That's it on that. I also agree it is the oldest profession in the world. Okay, so... Blanket undercover. Yes. Uh, so, first of all, uh, independently, um, uh, looking at your at your site, um, you you guys were doing things independent of each other. But uh, when did you guys meet and decide to form Blanket Undercover? We both were students at the Kansas City Art Institute in mm. the early two thousands, and I graduated in two thousand and three. And Megan started in 2002, correct? Yes. So we were just overlapped by a tiny amount. And the only reason why we met is because as a senior, I started a cheerleading squad of my friends. It was called Raw Booty. I don't know if any of you oh were around. Oh, my God. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Raw Booty. Oh, <laughs> spell spell R-A-H. Raw Booty was this radical cheerleading squad, and we would cheer for 
whatever we wanted to, not related to a sports team. It was like a feminist platform. It was like a feminist like platform. Like, okay. Yeah. In, in comedic, very comedic, yeah. 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 And, so, and political. And political. So after our first year of doing that, we decided, well, any good cheerleading squad has tryouts for the new generation. So we had a tryout, and that's when I met Megan. Ah. Yes, and uh, Leon had moved to different various cities like after a little while and we always stayed in touch and saw each other and um, she went to grad school and did a bunch of stuff and then eventually she came back to Kansas City and I had a solo show that I was doing but I wanted a visual element to it so I asked her to help me create some imagery for it and it yielded kind of a project and some conversations that led to pretty much everything else we've been doing for like the last six, seven years. And so we've known each other and been like knowing we were, you know, like soulmates of the mind for a very, very long time. And but there was just kind of like these many years where we were in different cities. And so it's all come back around. And now we just uh, moved to LA as well. Yeah. So. Congratulations. So where are you from originally? What do you call your hometowns? Oh, we are um, uh, people who were part of families that moved a lot. So I was born in North Carolina, in a little small town called Waynesville in the Haywood County area. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to Minneapolis where I lived with my grandparents, and then you I see culture there, too. How, what's the culture like there? You, you receive culture there, because oh. Minneapolis is very often Yeah, it's wild there. Very yeah. I was there right when all of the Hmong population had their first generation, and so it was like a pretty, um, and it, it was an intense time for that yeah. city, and then the Somalian population from, oh, they, they, have a they showed Somali up population. right at that time, too, so mm. it was like a, an explosion of like, not just Swedes and Norwegians, Thoroughly. Yeah. Um, and then I moved here uh, right out of high school and lived here for a while and then to the office. Um, yeah. And then I moved to Miami Beach for a while and then I moved to Chicago for a while. Oh where did where where did you live in Chicago? I'm from Chicago. Oh, I lived on the corner of Fullerton and Western behind the Domino's. Okay. All right. <laughs> I know exactly where that is actually. <laughs> Know exactly where it is, actually. Yeah. And then I was born in Texas, in uh, Wichita Falls, but we didn't live there very long. And I, I had most of my childhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for like nine years. And then we moved to uh, St. Louis for ten months, Wisconsin for six years, Iowa for three years, and then Overland Park, Kansas, for one year of my senior year of high school. Then I did all my college interviews in person, came to the Art Institute, and um, I lived here for like the last. 15, 16 years, and uh, just have never moved for the first time without my family, uh, which has been very exciting. So, but I really love Kansas City, and so yeah, I love Kansas City. I always want to come back here. It's my favorite city I've ever lived in. Yeah. So is this your, do you, do you guys do this for a day job as well? Like you make all your money off of Blankets Undercover or do you do side jobs as well? We do not make our money off of Blanket Undercover. It is like a, the thing we can't not do. Sure. But we make money all kinds of other ways. Like for me personally, I was a teacher for 10 years uh -huh. and then I, on the side, was a server, and then I was like a server full time. I worked at Savah, best champagne bar in the whole world. Yeah. And then uh, now we are working, we are hoping to work more in uh, the production world of Los Angeles. So just now I finished working on a movie with Megan that was a series of scary movies, and I was the props master, and Megan was the art director, and then she can tell you what she's been doing for money. <laughs> I've also been a producer for the last, I mean, almost 10 years, 8 to 10 years. Um, in different, uh, sometimes producing art projects and exhibitions, but a lot of commercial and music video endeavors, and then also a few films. Yeah. So, and I worked with RW2 full time in 2015 as their main producer, and then I worked Hallmark for the last year. So we probably have. So we've seen each 
other somewhere, probably. Designer yes. than liquid nine. So. Yes, right. I was gonna say. I was like, I'm sure. Yeah, yes, so we've been yes. at some of our like uh, yes, happy hours and I stuff together. Why well, like planned their entire brand party and everything that one year was so crazy. Got but it, got it, got yeah, it. so I'm also like we both do event planning and whatnot. And um, I I worked at the Camper Museum for a long time. I'm also a caterer. I do lots of other little side jobs. Yeah. But <laughs> right, so tell us, tell us, tell us about the uh, Year of Dreams project. Okay, so we. In that moment, when Megan, I first moved back here, and Megan was like, I want to do the show, we were both, um, I can say the word disgruntled with the art scene, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we were failing as artists, and it doesn't mean that we were not sure what to do. It was more like we were unhappy with what we were doing, and we wanted to try something different, so we decided... Transition. Yeah, we were in this transitional feeling moment, and we decided that what we really wanted to do was to see a bunch of stuff like we really wanted to go places and see things and like it was like this tiny moment that led to this larger project where uh, we decided we wanted to make a list of all these crazy events that either we had sort of like made fun of at some point because we were like ah oh, whatever like people do that for a dumb reason and had never been or things that we were really fascinated by that we wanted to see and you know why not do it now instead of when you're retired so that's where it started. We we wanted to make fun of the idea of the bucket list, which is something oh, that that's is right. super. That's yeah. Well, it's just very popular. Like it has been for a long time. It's a term that always makes my skin crawl a little bit because um, the idea of waiting till you're done with everything, or like you finally have the money, or you're like whatever. Yeah. You know, you're like almost dead, and you're really set in your ways, and you're like, you know, you might have a heart attack when you retire. <laughs> you might not. You know, a lot of people like they get done killing themselves in the American way until a certain point, or like realize they can't even really afford much past that anyway, depending on what you do, and then they realize there is no like amazing pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or whatever, and like. Why do why wait? Why, why did you wait? Yeah, and so you just you know like you you're not as limber and young and open-minded and whatever and like you know you, you you're tied down by a lot of other things and you're more worried about danger and more worried about all these things and it just seems like not the greatest time to do it in my opinion. Yeah. So we also wanted to make fun of that and be like, you know what? This year is the year we'll do everything. And yeah. It's every year for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And so we called it the year of dreams singular, but the joke is that it's every year. Yeah. And so we decided that every year we would do at least two or three events. And we started to categorize it uh, in an elevator pitchy sort of way as being um, a pilgrimage to mass gatherings of specific themes across the country and world. And so that's the easiest way to describe it. Uh, we wanted to speak to things not being just based on the internet. We wanted to, to really have, like, never judge something without being there. And one of the best examples is, like, the gathering of the Juggalos, where a lot of it's very famous. People know about it, and a lot of people judge a certain group of people or think they just saw a 20-minute documentary on YouTube that they know everything about a group of people. We just wanted to make sure that our work was um, more than just physical objects, more than just waste or things in a city where, to be quite honest, there's not a lot of great patronage that perhaps in our work, specifically, yeah, yeah. specifically, perhaps our, our work is more experiential, more educational, is what we were hoping, also to educate ourselves. We um, want to be like anthropologists, I think I've mentioned that mm -hmm. here, so like just to really understand and study this contemporary era. Are you like media agnostic? Is it just a whole variety of things? It is a variety of things. Like sometimes it is a document in mm -hmm. the form of a photograph or it'll be like a video or it'll be like the costume that we made. Or a travelogue where we literally write out the story of what we experienced, which yeah. we have been com not commissioned, but like we've worked with other journals and organizations right. to contribute. Or we get interviewed like this is kind of like an interesting, we'll become like a document of this moment right, or, right, and right. our new stage of thinking about 
Before we get into another question, I just want to uh, acknowledge mm -hmm. that uh, we just got joined by uh, our own personal brain mass, Brian Massey. We want to welcome him to the panel this week. He's going to he's joining in, uh, and and today we are talking with uh, Blanket Undercover, and uh, and they are telling us about the year of dreams. So. The performance artist, artist basically is, it is one, basically it's, it's one small art. category, but you, you, could, you could have do other that. categories. You could call it that because so. in a yeah. lot of ways we, we create custom costumes for each to kind of uh, walk amongst certain groups that, you know, not all of them are full of extremism, but some of them are a very like specific yeah. enthusiasm of a certain type that all gather because it's their most home feeling because they're all the same. And we are not necessarily subscribing to any of these groups, but we would like to, you know, we never really lie when we get there, but when we when we walk amongst them, so to speak, uh, people will come up and be like, so what are you here for? Like, is it your first time? And we'll say, yes, we're, we've never been, but we've always heard about it, and we're dying to know more, and we're just here yeah. to really, like, find out more, which is an honest statement, and that's usually what happens. Yeah, and we then, never lie, and we're like, we're Yeah, like, we're experts <laughs> on all of this. That'll like, catch up to you. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, and especially... But you also get much better sure. conversations with people when you're, like... Okay. Tell me about who you are. People are yeah. like, let me tell you. You know. It's well, what do you look for in a minute? So, what? How do you decide? Okay, these are the places we're gonna go. What's Usually, the it would start out with things that we thought seemed fun, and then it turned into things that seemed like uh, something that we would normally have made fun of, and then yeah. it became more of like, well, what's something that like actually makes me nervous? That well, seeking so like to, to have a better understanding, but unbiasedly towards but the alien. I would also say and not. Taking a group but, and making it a monolith, trying to understand why anybody individually would come into that. those kind of things. Yeah, Does definitely that make sense? exactly how it is. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a study of microculture, but also like I really I remember when we first were describing it, like we always described it as, you know, perhaps we'd be the only people on Earth by the time we're eighty that have been to every famous event on Earth. But not just anywhere that they might happen, but the place where the thing happens the time that it happens. Like yeah. not Mardi Gras in Kansas City, but like Mardi Gras, all of the uh, carnivals in yeah. all of the areas of the yeah. world. Rio, they're not the same New Orleans, no. right? Exactly. Venice, yeah. like we were, you know, we were like, well, we're going to do all of them Saint eventually. Saint Louis. The Soul Guard has a wonderful Mardi Gras. Well, here's the thing: everybody has a story everybody about something that happens to somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And so we, you know, we were always that we would always end every. We would do lots of talks when we got back, so that people could like kind of go on this trip with us when we're done with it and, and ask questions and, and be like curious about like yeah. things that we could. Uh, change their opinion about or change yeah. their stereotype of something. And the conversation, experience. it always turns into being like, okay, but there's this thing you have to go to. And we're like, yeah. you know, we take requests, is what we'd always joke about. So when we went to the Ernest Hemingway lookalike contest, which is known as the Papa lookalike contest in Key West, yes. and dressed yeah. as the Lady Papas all week, which we were not allowed to compete because we were women. But they really wanted they really, to. They really embraced us. And but it was they really found in the rules that there was the one no they did at the house with all the cats? They yeah. don't actually do it at the house anymore, but I think it started there. We, we, did, like the museum. The we did see the cats. We went to the house. But yeah, but it's, it's at his favorite bar where he basically drank himself to death okay, called yeah. Sloppy Joe's. Yep. But anyway, you know, like, that was a suggestion from someone. And we were like, that's so bizarre. But supposedly it's one of the largest lookalike contests in the maybe country or world. It's only like 130 dudes. Huh. But apparently, like, not an impersonation contest, but a lookalike. Yeah, a real lookalike. Because, like, you know, there's Elvis yeah. and other stuff. But yeah. And none of them actually look like her. <laughs> they, they all look like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> amazing bar. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Yes. yes. Is there is there any uh, event or group of people that you tried to attend that you were maybe initially critical of or opposed to that you had your perspective changed yet also changed their perspective as well through dialogue? Don't uh, answer that. Okay. <laughs> because 
Ben got very deep there. The reason, yeah, the re- well, the reason <laughs> that I approached you to come be on this show, okay. I think, answers his question. Okay. So, we will we will answer that, but not, not yet okay. because there's some build up. The answer, yeah. <laughs> the answer can get emotional and. Sure. Are you ready for all that? <laughs> okay. I, I got one more quick question. I just want to go back in in your history a little bit more. Did you both attend the art institute? Did you study sculpture? I mean, do you have other forms of art that you like to do that well, you have think you have a talent in? That's one of. I'm curious as you know, how have you evolved out of these different things? Because art isn't always evolving. That's what's so cool about art. It's always a shifting, changing mode of things. Um, I will tell you that my uh, specific undergrad degree is a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Pottery with a minor in Creative Writing. And then my graduate degree is a MFA in a Master's of Fine Arts in uh, Performance Art with a minor in Art History. Cool. You're very well-rounded through the subjects. How about you, Megan? Um, I did not go to grad school, but my undergrad was uh, major in printmaking, and I double majored in art history as well. And um, But our artwork together takes a lot of forms, like video or photography or performance, and also writing and travel, which we like to refer to as a medium for the most part. Well, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. I started weird. my bucket list at 17, so yeah, I'm yeah. all about it. There's like some weird things that we've done as jobs, though, that I would say were more effective on us than schooling. Like, for example, I was a teacher and I taught um, sewing and sculpture for like 10 years. And those are things I feel really, I'm really good at. And then... Um, How do you feel that serving has changed your oh. perspective as well? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, serving is, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we have both been in like a serving slash catering position and the way that you learn how to navigate conversation with yeah. people and like maintain neutrality is such an incredible and patience and, and patience, yeah. yeah. And uh, contextual experience mm-hmm. um, is <laughs> such an interesting way to approach uh, talking to anybody. You know, like yeah. trying to learn how they operate and uh, how best to get at them. Yeah, mm-hmm. to identify. To and it's almost like a a weird like learning sales. Like yeah, it's almost like that too. Like learning how to present yourself to somebody, or like eye contact, body language, like so many things. That's what makes you a jack at the end of the deal. But it also will um, like neutralize a conflict. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, which is maybe a more... And it connections. I have 45 employees, I'm pretty good at that. Well, a lot of our work involves, um, we do a lot of, like, citywide interactive projects as well. We've done a lot of, like, coordination of, like, large, large groups of people to be oh, part yes. of, like, huger pieces that we've done that are not related to Year of Dreams. Like, we've done many, many a project that are super public that involve... Yeah, I was going to say, tell us about some of those. So there's one that's the most well-known, uh, was at the end of uh, 2015, it was on the cover of the pitch. This is the best thing we've year. ever done, ever. <laughs> yeah, what was, is your best? Well, okay, so it was called the Mini Vinny Vinny. It stands for the Miniature Venice Biennale. The Venice Biennale is a very famous exhibition in Venice, Italy that happens every other year. It's a six-month-long exhibition that is um, every... It's like the Olympics of art. Yeah, but it's the contemporary art of all of the countries uh, in the, the world. world. Yeah, And, oh, and wow. it's, each curator kind of chooses who's involved, so it's not always absolutely every, every, every single country. But the one that we but, went to ended up being the most inclusion of world... Artists. Of some countries that had never been included. Yeah, like before. people that you would think of as like 
um, maybe not informed in contemporary art, but have clearly been making art forever, and they had some incredible pieces to show, and also showed art throughout history, where they were like, we haven't been just learning about art history. Yeah, we've been doing this all the time. Yeah. It and was really amazing. It was a world stage, it's a world stage all the time. Yeah. But it is, some years are more uh, whimsically themed than others, and ours was about like all of the change that's afoot and all of the, basically the problems of the world. It's called All the World's Futures. So what we wanted to do was, we got a rocket grant for $6,000, thanks to Charlotte Street and the Andy Warhol Foundation, and we used that money to, well, we didn't use it for the trip at all. We self-funded ourselves to go... We always self-fund everything. To um, uh, Running the Bulls in Pamplona as part of your dreams, and then after that we went to the Venice Biennale for a whole week and documented everything. And we literally ran from gallery to gallery to get to see everything. everything. We, missed, we missed something. It's almost impossible to yeah. see everything in even a week. It's, a, it's like one of the most massive exhibitions you've ever, ever been to. It's okay. truly incredible. It'll change your life. Even if you're not an art crazy person, you've got yeah, to go. Yeah, we highly recommend so it. So it's really, really cool. And you ever. get to see crazy buildings you would never see in Venice otherwise, but that's not the point. So we brought everything back here and then we created it in miniature and we had 30 pavilions throughout the city, which is a lot like how Venice does it, except it's like, a, you know, it's like 90. What, what, what year was this? 2015. 2015, yeah. There is only one that's still up that you can see, and it's on Truston Linwood, and it's the uh, building that's called... Best called? Deal. Best Deal, yeah. And there are these giant billboards that hang from their carport area, and forever they've said things like furniture sale, and they're all faded and gross, and so we printed giant vinyl images of this, the Korean pavilion, which was like this futuristic movie with a woman who was like in this shiny apartment. And um, the way that it looks, it's very like advertisement for super clean new age apartments, like yuppie little right. central. Yeah. And the woman who is organizing the sale of that building literally said to me, we'd love for more artists to put work here because we want to help gentrify the neighborhood. Faster. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm it's done really to hear about the most awesome story too, but before you do, I just, okay. I'm just curious on your perspective as Kansas City as an artistic community, because it seems like you guys travel the world and do all these things. Was it because you felt like there was a lack of opportunity here, or um, or was it because you just wanted to bring more opportunity to the city? Or well, that's like a lot of. There are a lot of elements to that. One, yeah. you like to travel first, but sure. two, yes, there is a a lack of patronage here for sure. But because it is so cheap, and we in the city, for whatever reason, not like any other city, have an incredible collaborative spirit. Like, this is the place to be if you want to do stuff with other people and have an incredible time creating things and feeling like you're part of a community, um, which is what we have felt like. But at the same time, yeah, you have to also expand that community. And so another reason why we have moved away is to, like, sort of, like, meet new people to, yeah. to introduce to bring them to in the city. And, and every time we've done it before, we've all, always expanded not only, like, our community here as artists, but communities elsewhere. Like it's, it's and make fans happened. of Kansas City out elsewhere. Yeah. So as you've been traveling, have you, have you honestly felt like there's a lack of artistic art, art opportunity here versus, a, I mean, listen, if you're in Fair Kansas City in Venice, well, clearly Venice is probably going to win. In terms well, of I mean, it depends on what you're looking yeah, at. What do you mean by opportunity? Do you mean money or do you mean just like Bingo. That, showing that, 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 space? No, that's I, was about I think it is a very hyper artistic city because of places like the Art Institute, mm -hmm. which I think is a reasonably... Uh, certainly nationally renowned, if not internationally renowned, so I'm saying it was school, uh, which is awesome, and has turned out some incredible 
radical artists. Yeah. But yeah. let's talk about what they buy. Yeah, that's that's a better question. What do they buy? They buy art that already has a market. They aren't going to buy art that doesn't is not going to appreciate in value over time. But they will also appreciate you. They well, may buy that, but they do support. Just, no, they do support the different. Art Institute, and they do support different things. Sure, in existence as this is how they, yeah. But this is how they know how to do something. Of course, sure. But here's the thing: when you don't have, like, say, a dealer that's making you look as fancy as some of these artists do to these people, especially that are, are not from the state. I mean, most of these people, some of them are collecting. Like, you somebody like Pamela Johnson. She has an incredible local art collection. And I'm not saying that everybody has to buy only local art at all, because that's obviously not the way you're going to build your collection and have a diverse collection. I would never say that. But there's a lot of really killer art happening in the city, and a lot of like, there's actually a great appreciation for weird art here, like a burgeoning, incredible local weird projects that, like, I really would like to. There's moments where I have I have doubted some of the efforts of Charlotte Street, but they have really, at, for so much of their existence in the early days, and also have really brought it back around now with new leadership under Amy Klickman, have really been. Um, bringing it back to supporting like emerging artists in the city and, and giving them a platform to create without um, having it all figured out quite yet, which I think is the most valuable thing that you can do, not just establish stuff, but to support people while they're still figuring out what they're doing and give them studio space, give them areas to work, give them resources, which is, yeah. is such a marginal amount of money to some of these people. It could be something that would be much more widespread, more grants, more whatever. Like, And this organization does a lot of that, and they field and, and steward most of those things, including the art boards and the crossroads, like almost all of it ties back to Charlotte Street in some way and all the work they're doing to bring in grants to the city that are then distributed through other names but sometimes, you know, like like even Plug Projects was a rocket grant and that is related to Charlotte Street. Our rocket grant was related to Charlotte Street. You know, right now we're hired to curate a series of things for the 20 year anniversary and we're getting paid to do that. That's oh, part that's of awesome. why we're in town right now. So awesome. thanks to them for that. But like there's other organizations like Arts KC who Leon has a lot of work, uh, um, experience with. I'm familiar with Arts KC. So, so a lot of people, you know, like there's certain, there's only like so many of those though and it would be great for there to be more and more of the money to be funneled into things that aren't already established like the Arts Institute. You know, I mean, things that like sure. you know yeah. like right. the art decision is a really safe place to funnel your money because it's going to exist because it's already existed for a long time yeah. do you feel that blanket undercover is somewhat age related mm-hmm. that you you have more of a demographic that you appeal to or do you feel like it appeals to all kinds of different demographics gosh i do not know the answer to that question and it's i also kind of don't interesting how you look at i feel it, like it, it has uh, our focus has changed as we have moved along as in our age like in the space of our time growing up right. uh i have had the i had the miley cyrus moment as a young person when i was like oh my god my body is a sexual body and then i had the moment where i was like oh my god i don't own the sexualization of my body and then I had the moment where I was like, I want to be political with the sexualization of my body, you know? Like, <laughs> this is like over like a 30-year period, really. I mean, so it will change, that's I think, that's as that's I go. That's yeah. the journey of life. Oh. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry. I think, no, 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 actually, this is all actually pushing us toward, because we've used this one word it's a long conversation. several times, and that word has been political. Uh-huh. Which, which we <laughs> always evolved to. Which... Yeah. Uh, Brings me back to the Year of Dreams, which brings me back to the last Year of Dreams project, which was the Trump rally in Kansas City. In Kansas City. Last March. So, um, without interruption, I want you guys to tell us about your uh, 
what you did to prepare for it, the, the experience that you had. Okay. And um, because, like I say, I really think the what you shared at Shelf Life was pretty profound. And uh, and not only as artists, but uh, as as humans and as women particularly, mm-hmm. I think you guys seem to have really uh, profound experience with what you felt coming out of that. So, um, so I really wanted to share. Give a timeline on this. Uh, well, so this was, was last March. But this was this when we uh, the Midland Theater mm-hmm. and all that. Okay, this okay. was like that, the last that, time he's been here. That I think. that that, mm-hmm. that was the timeline I was looking for. Yeah. Right. right. So that was like the last time that we did a project that we will categorize under Year of Dreams, and it was March of 2016. And we did the thing that we always do, which is we find out what the event is. We look into what do the people who are attending this event usually look and think like, and uh, that wasn't too hard because obviously like, there were a million Trump rallies happening every second, and it was all over the news, and it was all over our Facebook feeds, and it was all over the TV. So we showed up in sweatpants and t-shirts and ball caps, and we made our shirts based on something we saw on the internet, which was three words it said Democrat with a checkbox, Republican with a checkbox, and then it said pissed for the checkbox. And so we made what was the last word? Pissed. Okay. So yeah. it was like you're part of the pissed party, not either of the normal yeah. parties. So yeah. we showed up in shirts that just said Trump pissed. Yeah, like two checkboxes like you were either because a Trump supporter or you were pissed. We are not Trump supporters and we couldn't allow ourselves to fully go there. Embody that. And that's uh, America. That's America, yes. And so we showed up uh, and, wait, full disclosure, mm-hmm. and and this will be and and this will be, and this will be the last supporter. this will be the last interruption. Big Dave. Okay, that's is fine. A we're really glad that you're at the table. Yeah, actually. which is where which is you know that's that's where I am. But you look at my no, but this is this is what we're looking for, which is like a round table that actually has all yes. the voices present. Yes. This is something we've yeah. been absolutely seeking out in every way. This is actually like a dream come true. And yeah, yeah. And this, and this is, what we've always been good at. is why. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm so glad that you yeah. guys are also yeah. doing this every week. It's incredible. Involving yourself because you could also be like, fuck all of you. No, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, sorry. no, no you no. Oh, oh yeah. trust yeah. me. No. We swear. We swear. We swear. We swear at each other. No, yeah, nothing happens when you, when you shut off all the communication. So that is another reason why this is so great. So, like, yeah, nothing ever. You don't learn anything if you don't put yourself in positions where you feel like you're not part of that crowd. So... So we showed up and we did not uh, act as protesters. We just were um, participants the entire night. We like stayed in the line and we listened to people just talking the whole time. We overheard things that were hilarious and very uncomfortable. We saw a lot of um, conflict between protesters and um, Trump supporters that made us extremely sad and um, was what for me um, a very eye-opening moment on uh, what is whiteness and like where is whiteness on this spectrum beyond just the color of our skin and what I think whiteness is and I said it in our talk is a promise of some certain things that you would think are silly uh, that this would even be something that people would be having to talk about but the promise of job security the promise of being free to, to say and do what you want to choose jobs that you want to be free to have uh, healthcare you can depend on, and obviously this, all of us, like not just the Trump supporters, um, 
are angry because maybe not all of them are getting that, or they feel like it is being jeopardized by a minority group that perhaps is putting it in threat. So that was what I realized. And I also realized in that moment that a lot of the things that I participate in all the time that I think like, I'm just evolving on my own and I'm learning about new things on my own path are only available to me because I am a white woman and because of the upbringing that I've had in all of these white communities. And it was, it's something that I've been like getting towards slowly in my life for a very long time, but this was like a really eye-opening major moment. moment. And it didn't even really hit me then. It's like, we've had conversations about this over the course of the year, and I've had conversations with other people too, and I know you've had conversations with people, not only like with our parents, but like with uh, friends. And, and I've also been seeking out um, Republican allies who would maybe give me uh, perspective on where how this idea from, of where how did we get here? Yeah. And I don't think it's it's not like a moment where we can be like uh, Republicans are the reason why this happened, or poor white people are the reason why this happened, or like. Uh, but that we are all part of why. Yes, this is like I'm I'm white. finding my own part in why we are at the moment we are now in history with the leadership that we have and the conflict that we have amongst our people. And so we basically we went to this event. Just thinking, yeah. thinking that it oh, would be. Oh, no, I'm no, sorry. No, no. When we went to the rally. We, you know, we, we didn't think it was going to be just like any other thing. We knew it would be a big deal. But it. We also still thought it was a joke at this point. Well, yeah. We, there was no way we could have known at that point. We really honestly believed that it was possibly a once in a lifetime opportunity. You're right. Uh, to be honest, we hoped that it would be. So we, we bought some of the merch. We, like, fully, you know, do the whole thing. And just were like, this is so crazy. Like, how can we not be at this, you know? And it was also a helpful suggestion by Leon's boss, who gave her the night off from work yes, so that we could Bob, go. Caitlin Corcoran made us sign up for this yeah. and even bought our she, tickets. She deserves all the credit for helping make yeah. this possible. So not only do we take suggestions, but we, we've had, you know, we've had lots of help from people along the way to make these possible. So thank you, Caitlin. But anyway, we, we went there, and, and it sort of, like, rocked us a little bit. There are times where, like, I actually felt myself, like, snap out of being there. Like, I felt it was very surreal. But uh, we haven't found an easy way to move on since then in this project and know where to go with it because uh, we feel very differently. And of course, everything that has transpired in the last year and everything that we are witnessing in our country and just everyone being so at odds with each other and um, for, I would say for the last at least three years slash forever, all of the um, horrific things we are seeing with people being executed in the streets, families never knowing if like their other family member is going to be killed by the end of the day, depending on where you live, or like what kind of unrest might be happening, say if you live in Ferguson, Missouri, somewhere not that far away, you know, like there's a lot that has been going on in recent years that um, we should be a lot more in up in arms doing major action for or caring for each other in a different way than we are that should just be about humanity and not about even politics. And yeah. so we've had a hard time just being like, let's just go to another event that's different and than this. And yeah. or, or even I mean, even if it wasn't fun, like even if it was like another juggalo gathering, an IHOP conference, something that we felt right. at odds with, it's been hard to just carry on the way that we were, to be quite honest. So we have been trying to take a big look at ourselves and really feel... Yeah, we're having um, a reflective moment. Where we admit our role and what we find is wrong, which is, the, and we've always talked about privilege in this project and the privilege that has allowed us to even travel in the first place, that has set us up to be well off enough in some ways or have enough security in our lives to even have the leisure to make artwork, to be honest, and, and just yeah, to care about Yeah, even being an artist is definitely like a white 
Power. I mean, yeah. So, so white power is something that, that that maybe not, we don't always think about in a certain way, or we certainly don't want to admit our role in. But it is something that we feel is um, very much our experience, and it could be used. Our power could be used for a lot of different things than we use it for right now. And I think that the first step is obviously admitting that we have a role in it, and then like taking charge of how we use that power and being really cognizant about how we care for our fellow man, no matter who the fellow man is. Like. Do you care about humans or not? You know what I mean? Like, is it, is it me for myself or is it not? And and I think that, like, there's a lot of other things that we may agree on or disagree on, but we've chosen to live in what we call the melting pot of America, and sometimes we're really proud of that, but at the same time, it's like, we're very, like, me, 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 my family, my homestead. How can we do both? You know what I mean? Like, this is not just, like, Sweden, where there's all one kind of people and it's small. This is a huge country. People don't even understand how big it is, like, from other countries. They don't even yeah, realize. They, they, like, like, can't even understand. What we're dealing with on a scale of, of population and, and all of the problems they're in. Because we're not just one place with one kind of people. So, like, we all know that. We chose to live here. This is our home. You know, we love it here. We all love America. Whatever. But there are, like, a lot of create, new creative ways we're going to need to deal with this to be able to exist next to each other and not just be killing each other, you know? Or And, I mean, we don't have all solutions, but the point is that... We would like to admit that we are part of the problem and, and only move forward and use every opportunity that we have to be speaking about this in a personal way so yeah. we can connect with others around us. Hey, what's going on, podcasters? Let's acknowledge the good friends of the Law Party Podcast. The Majestic Restaurant and Pinner Gas Club carrying on Kansas City's tradition of great food and great jazz, 931 Broadway in Kansas City, Missouri. The Jay Rieger Kansas City Distillery. Whiskey, gin, vodka. That is oh so good. And friend of the podcast and panelist, Lane Bolin, managing to keep the podcast going. Apparently, wealthy or not. Now onto our regularly scheduled program. We have had a lot of conversation about how uh, we reclaim words over time, like words that meant hate. And I hate thinking about this, actually, but like I really do like this conversation that we've started with each other where we could think that white power could be like using your white power to step out against hate towards, from a whiteness perspective towards an otherness perspective. And so my friend, and this will be the end of me, is just yammering, we can get into like maybe questions you guys have or whatever, whatever Rio thinks, but um, a friend of mine who's black, and I said this at the night when we were talking, she said to me that, um, you know, we were talking about this, this whole like where we're at and, and how do you even talk about this, and you know, I was admitting that I just sometimes felt very uncomfortable about like, knowing what to do, what my role is, like how to feel, like just kind of like embarrassed and the guilt that you feel about not really knowing what to do when you actually already care about all of these humanitarian issues that are, even if you don't know where your political stuff lies, like you, if you care about your fellow man, there's a lot of guilt and weirdness about just going on with your life when and you're having white, fun. When you're white, when you're white yeah. and when you are you know, a white woman, mm-hmm. when you have privilege from the jobs that you're able to get, from the parents that you've had, whatever, you know, you... Whatever, you're, you're moving through your life choosing when and when you don't, when it feels the best to participate in, in, some, in activism and something that is difficult, like issues of race and protection for our fellow man. And, um, you know, she's like, you know, all you got to think about is that your voice will reach more people than mine. Like, other people will hear you, and they're going to hear you in different ways, and they're going to hear my voice. And I never really thought about it in as simple of terms as that before, and it really affected me. And it was only a few months ago, and I haven't stopped thinking about it since because... I get really complicated in my mind about how I feel weird about not knowing what to do. And when I think about it as simply as that my voice will do something different than another voice, it seems so much more simple than that. And I would really like to be less intimidated by just having a conversation 
or just trying to reach somebody next to me, if we, even if we have different I also feelings. want to add to that that I, somebody said this to me, and I can't remember what conversation it was or where, but it was something about how perhaps um, there were times when it was time for me to step out and say something, and then there was other times when I should just be presented in a room of people and say, like, I am just ready to be here to do whatever you need me to do. I am supportive, and maybe now is not the time for me to say something, but whenever you need me, you can ask, and I'm ready. I'm ready to say the right thing or the wrong thing, and you can help me say the right thing in whatever situation that is. Yeah, I, I found it. Uh, uh, there was one other presenter at Shelf Life. Uh, <coughs> the, the actually one uh, black presenter that night, uh, and I was I was joking about it, but later it really hit me that. Um, there was a term she used in her talk that I realized that probably 99% of the people in this room had never heard before and and would probably go, what? Uh, and uh, and I actually had a conversation with uh, David Reed and he was, and he was saying that uh, he's never had to do that exact thing, but he has had to do something really similar. Uh, and the term she used uh, was she was selling her house, and, uh, and and she knows she has she has a great house, and she couldn't understand why she wasn't getting you know uh, getting any any, getting any offers. It was and, also in like a really good neighborhood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really, really good neighborhood. Really good house. And uh, why wasn't she getting any offers? And uh, a friend of hers had said to her, basically, girl, first of all, you have to go around here and denigrify this house. And I immediately knew what that was because being a black person, uh, if you're selling a house, shit, if you're selling yourself at a job interview, you kind of have to go in and denigrify yourself in order to get the population that is not like you to go, oh, okay, and and accept what it is that you're offering, which is which sounds crazy because I see yeah. the faces at the table. So her story was she basically had to take anything in her house that looked African American and remove it. Yeah, in order Everything. to get people to even put offers on the house. Because whether people, you know, whether it was pure, pure racism. And within a week, where? she oh. had an offer. Oh, right, right. Hill. What? Yeah, yeah, like not, like I'm saying, not a bad neighborhood, not a bad house. It was on Rock Hill. So she also it, made the joke that she was in an advantage because she was like one of the only black people in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So she was halfway there. Yeah, yeah she said yeah, 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 exactly. So it's not like you're selling a house, like trying to move out of a black neighborhood. Like you're in a neighborhood that's already not a black neighborhood. And you had to remove everything that gives you give this home the identity that it, a black person owned it to get an offer. And within a week, she had three offers. <laughs> it's very hard for people that don't ever have to think like that. Like, it would never occur to you the way your house is decorated would cause somebody to not want to live there. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when I was talking to David, he was saying, well, not of course I never level. had to... He like de-gay uh, his house. Yeah, he said he had to de-gay his house because for the for the exact same reasons. And and 
So I guess why it struck me as profound was because you found a place <laughs> that I think most people don't really, they don't need to know it exists. Well, really, if you think about it, and and but but I think in finding that place, you find where the rest of humanity has been existing, and you're like, oh, oh, I didn't even realize it was like that, because in 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 a way, your world has never had to exist to. in well, that and, way. And once you know it. Mario, you can't unknow it. Let me, let me enter something here. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm yeah. the oldest guy here. Yeah. And, and the panel has heard me say this. And you heard me talk about when I sold 100 pounds of pot one summer right. and I got running out of town. Yeah. If I was black, what would happen to me? Oh, you'd be in jail. You'd never have seen the I, I, I would have done seven years. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. Okay. Not just fucking. So, so I, 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 I do understand yeah. that. And then what you don't know is I actually continued down the road in a bad way. I got run out of Texas. I got run pretty bad when you run out of several states, so I wasn't doing very well, right? Right. And I ended up on the streets of New Orleans, and I was homeless, sleeping behind dumpsters, and I was in a bad way. I was a drug addict. And I got beat up bad one night. And I went into a bar the next morning, and a old merchant marine was sitting there and looked at me and basically told me I'd had a bad night, and yeah, yeah. Told me to go get a job on Bud's boats. If I was black, do you think that merchant marine no, who was about my age probably would have told me that? No, but that I was able to go get a job on those boats, and I crawled up to where I'm the success I am today, through the help of a very good woman too. But so I understand that there is white privilege very much too, and because I understand that, I also work with a lot of inner city kids. I, I got two kids that started for me today. Black kids, they're inner city kids. One had worked for me before. Didn't have the maturity yet to fully realize what he had there. The biggest challenge I have in this atmosphere with these kids coming out here is that they're entering a world they don't know. They're in, they're in a white construction world, a white Latino construction world. Because, you know, we're 35, 40% Latino. Uh, so, and, and, and then, so I have three African Americans that work for me, and 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 Tony is an older guy, he's running back for for Oklahoma back in the day. So it, it's almost important that I kind of hit one of those guys with, with Tony, who's my age, to help them understand what they have to do to survive in this world. And I coach these kids, I coach them hard because you you can achieve success. I will do everything I can to help you succeed, achieve success with my company. And you will make money with my company, but you have to learn a different way. So I'm taking them out, it was just similar to what you were saying in a lot of ways, I'm taking them out of the lawn that they're used to and telling them that you have to survive in a different world. Well, basically... So what, that, that's a I, tough thing, you know? It is. Can I say that it, it's a... It is a really weird topic, but it's almost like you're treating them how to act like a white man. Does that I, I am. I am. Absolutely. And, like, there's, and, and, I, don't, and I don't disagree with there's that. There's like a lot of... Um, I'm telling them how to survive in an outside world. I, yeah, I totally and it's, get it's, that. It's a, no, but it's I, but a survival, I think, but I think, survival that's skill. A, that's a good way I, to put it. But I think, I think to your point... If you want to survive in that world, then you learn how to be 
if you want to achieve success in this world, yeah. you have to change your thoughts. Yeah, and but that's really hard to do. It's, it's like very hard to it's do. like asking Megan and I to act like dudes to to not be harassed for being women. You know Actually, I mean? I'm right. Yes, but but that doesn't make it right or wrong. It makes it reality. Okay. I'm in a relationship. But that doesn't also make it right. That's a hard thing it to doesn't, understand. I mean, yeah, it doesn't make it right, but I get the necessity for it. But it doesn't always work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you like you can't ask us to act like dudes and, and expect it to fix the situation. Well, I can take that back to 2013 when I hired 1,300 inner-city kids. Okay. I failed on every one of them. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Why did I fail? I had to go back and look at it. You don't learn from me. You don't always learn from your successes. Sometimes you do. But I learned from my failures there. Number one, they want to work no more than 23 hours a week because they were on welfare. And if they worked 40 hours a week, they lost their welfare. So, I think that there are probably situations where that's true, but I don't think that's always true. I do no, think no, that no, no, no. But this, in this particular situation, this is very much the case. Okay. The, the other case was is that they were out in the world they didn't understand, and I didn't coach them well enough right. to say, this, this is what you're going to have to do. They, some of them were good workers. They were smart kids. They had a ton of potential, but I failed them in, in being able to find a way to tap into that potential where they could come out and learn to trade and learn to provide for their families and for themselves to be able to get a, 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 a good transportation model because that's their biggest problem. Inner city kids have trouble getting anywhere. But here's a, here's my question. Here's a larger question in my mind is that I want to hear what you have to say as well. But like, as somebody who voted for Trump. How do you feel like, I mean, like, you're doing this in a personal level, and you have care on a personal level for these problems, but, like, what do you feel like this person is going to do for our country that will help fix it from the top down? Or, like, well, how are they going to help you do what you want? Oh, they're, they're very much, if, if, if I can get one person to achieve success, and that person goes back and, and grabs another person, and maybe grabs two, two makes four, four makes eight, but how many yeah. will they survive if, if the, the fist from the top is crushing them ultimately overall? We're teaching them a trade. We're teaching them how to work. We, we are, the average age of a construction worker is 46 years old. Okay. All right, so most of my car, we're a 51-year company. We've been around a long time. It's hard to do in my business. We're roughly partners. And so I'm trying to teach these young men that they can come in and, and, and learn a trade we were one of the few companies, and we just had our 50th anniversary, obviously, a year ago. One of our old foremen was Marvin, and he was a black foreman. You know how many black foremen were in my trade back in the 70s and 60s? I don't know. Hardly any. All right? And Mario was there, and I honored him for what, his, what he did, because he had to do a very tough and difficult thing. He had to work with a bunch of redneck white boys. That's hard. And but, it's hard. But you but, are, but he earned their respect by you, out of work. Yeah, but and, and his leadership skills. Your mind is open to that, but not everybody's going to have. No, that no, no. I, I, and I, I wouldn't say so. And I wouldn't say so. Okay. But but I also learned the hard way because I ended up coming from northeast Missouri when I was a kid, green as hell, and, and basically a white town. And all of a sudden, I'm immersed into Louisiana, which, which is, is a totally different culture of the Cajuns and the Blacks and the Whites and everybody else down there. And so you you get educated. There's no education you can get in any college, anywhere, 
that understands diversity and understanding how people work and how other people are. But we do what we did understand is that if we all worked hard and we all worked together, we all gained respect for each other. So you relate and, to and, this. And we achieved no, success. Sure. Each one of us achieved success in our own ways. But, how but do you think about all the people that you came from in that northeastern town who have never had a personal Oh, they're absolutely. But, but, but my, my point being for them, though, is that they're rural That's people. The hardest thing for them to understand is, is that because they've never experienced it, so they never got away from it. So you might talk about white privilege, and sure, that that's that's their white privilege. But but does that make them any? Does that make them bad people? Not necessarily. No, it doesn't make. It, them it does. People. It does make them slightly ignorant. It just means that they haven't experienced the same thing. Bingo. You have. So, but even if you so, are so you're hard when you pick on these... people like that to say they just don't know. It is that they don't know. But if you if you are training these young men to act white, even if they are in the presence of people who are are not experienced in diversity, but not, they're still going to be not white. I'm not, tell, I'm, not, I'm not telling them to give up their culture by any stretch of the means. But you kind of are. And even I'm, when I'm, they I'm, do, but I am telling them that they, they can't go out and, 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 and speak total Ebonics to anybody and expect people to understand that. But, who, but you're asking that, them that. Wait, wait, hold on. That, that's a different oh, wait, Brian, go ahead. Who said that acting white is what's correct? Like, right. why is that the standard? Why is that the standard? Well, we're saying, you guys are making an, an enormously large assumption that, uh, that I find to be uh, the premise to be false. I don't believe the premise to be correct. I do believe that there is... Um, things that society as a whole values, not regardless of race, creed, culture, gender, anything else, there are things that they value. So I would give you the example of uh, blacks in Canada, blacks in Europe, blacks everywhere else, you know, except for America. And I think a lot of the problem has been, well, the history of blacks in America has been horrendous. So, okay, that, and that makes me, I would definitely accept that as a premise. You know, and I have always said the worst problem that this country has ever had, in addition to slavery, which was just horrendous, was that there has been a lack of an ability to build an economic infrastructure in neighborhoods. So this has been a huge problem. And, and you know, you can make the argument that, well, about seven years ago they tried to fix that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know the democratic principles are always correct. I think sometimes they make the problem worse by saying, okay, let's overreact on the other side and give you a whole shit ton of government programs, which you then become dependent on and can't get out of, and it's very hard. And I think the values that were around were, regardless of race, creed, color, or whatever the case is, and I know that has not been... Uh, is easy for anybody else in this world other than probably white dudes, and I would agree with you on that. But at some point, I'm saying, if you see your neighbor shoot another dude, you should probably report that. Like, that is your personal responsibility, and that's a way out. You know, then you can start to build up your neighborhoods, you can start to build up economic in, in infrastructure. There was a... Honestly, and we've had this discussion before, what started the 2008 collapse in housing was a Jimmy Carter law that was passed where it forced banks to 
give undeserving loans in areas where they wanted to keep a branch. So regardless of whether you were creditworthy or not, you were forced to give credit to whatever the percentage of the population was, or you would have to shut down your branch of your bank. That didn't do anybody any favors. All it was predatory. It, it, it was, well, not only was it predatory, it was a federal law. In order to keep your branch open, if you're Bank of America, and I'm a fan of Bank of America, but if you're going to keep your Bank of America branch open at 31st and Paseo, well, then you better now abide by this federal law. Dole out those loans. Which states that okay. I have to now give loans to people who can't afford it. So it's which, like when you're a police officer, you have to write a number of tickets at the end of the month to get your quota. It's very complicated issue. So what I'm saying is, very complicated. All, all that ended up happening, the net result of that was putting people further and further into debt that they could not afford. It was horrendous, and it was meant with all the best of intentions, mm-hmm. and it ended up being a horrific, horrific uh, bill that literally was responsible for the 2008 collapse in housing. And they destroyed, because what they happened destroyed is, families as a bank, so if you're Bank of America and you're making all these shitty loans, you don't want these on your books. So you start to bundle them and sell them to other people who are willing to take the risk. But it just increases the interest rate. Of course. On You're just like hiding the mess and the mess is getting worse. That's it. Yeah. So there, there's a point of me that says, listen, I, I, I am more than happy to go, you know, I'm a lucky motherfucker. You know, I grew up, you know, I'm middle class to reasonably upper middle class, whatever the case was. Uh, but then did everything stupid afterwards, dropped out of school, was an idiot, didn't graduate, didn't do anything else. But yet, probably because I was a white dude, people were really give me a chance. But I would say that I've taken that lesson and gone, okay, so then I will hire other people who uh, I don't think were ever given a chance just because I feel like they deserve a chance. But you also want that person to meet you halfway in between and come with a responsibility. And it's not a white responsibility. If I'm hiring you to do a job, I just want you to do the job. I don't care what, what you are. Like to Add do the job. Yes. So you I think know. that I agree with you that everything, ha- everything has led to where we are now. Like, sure. Of course, economics are a huge part of it. Um, our ideology is also another huge part of it. So, when you say something like uh, these these people that I hire that I want to give a chance to don't know how to act, I'm not saying that at all. Well, okay. I'm saying that in a generalized way. What I mean is that sometimes when you put someone Let's say like you put me in a position where I would have to exist in an all heterosexual male uh, climate. And you're like, why can't you succeed here? And I will maybe try very hard to navigate that world, but I am not of that world. Like I can I can see different elements of it and I can like try to act the right way, but ultimately sure. there are things that I am not that I can never match to what you are. I will throw out, and I despise personal examples. I really despise them because I do not But I can't give you anything but a personal example. No, 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 I get it. But, because I was about to give you one too, because I really don't don't like them as rules. They don't set rules. They just tell you your bizarre experience with somebody. The highest paid person we had to live with on was, was a woman who was a phenomenal salesperson. Judy Rush is a phenomenal, oh, yeah. you know Judy Rush, phenomenal yeah. salesperson. She's Terry Rogers was an incredible businesswoman. Yes. Uh, 
I mean, I can throw out a list of people who are incredible, who uh, of we would say, oh, they came from a disadvantage or they were forced to play in this world. That's not true. They were just really smart. And they looked at the business and said, here's how I'm going to go about the business. They but there's also many different themselves. ways of having intelligence. So, like, sure. you can have intelligence with people-to-people contact, and that can be, like, the thing that gets you through everything. But what if your intelligence isn't in that, you know? And, and you are in a position where, because of what you look like, you are already having experienced your entire life a different experience. Yeah, I can tell you when I worked at Sprint and I worked at Joy TV. And my job was to go into very large call centers, restructure them, uh, fire as many people as I could, make them profitable, and then leave. So that's what I did before I started Liquid 9. And on every single sheet that we gave somebody, you obviously crossed out the name, but you said, just letting you know we're being fair. And we fired some of our best workers just because uh, you had to be this, our workforce is this percentage of gender, race, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you had to give them a list. And you've seen this at DST, I'm sure. A list that says, here's the demographics. We're not being unfair here. This is the list. But I think, you know, but I think we're I getting off track of what the yeah. original conversation no, was. No, no, no. I think this is right on track. I, I'm saying that there's, there's a meeting in the middle. I'm not going to say that white male power dominates the world all the time. What I'm saying is there's also a meeting in the middle. If I lived in a neighborhood that was just dog shit, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, my God, I'm going to do whatever I can to clean up my neighborhood. That's meeting to me in the middle. In Chicago, most of the murders, because there's a fuck ton of murders in Chicago, it sucks. Most of them are black-on-black crime. It's horrible. It's horrendous, you know? And so at some point I'm saying... There has to be a meeting in the middle of all the various cultures and things. It can't just be white is, dudes feeling so bad all the shitty no, time. No, and I don't think that's feeling bad. bad. But the it issue, is if we want to make the change. No, saying so it's white about realizing world, what you can do with the power that you have. I would agree. And I think that's actually the power. But I think that's the I think that is the point. I think everybody does have the power, but to your point, it's realizing what your power is. I mean, if, and I'm sorry, but my, no, my, my biggest question that like I think ties back also to like this rally we're talking about, right? Trump as a thing. Just just out of curiosity for me, like like there's a lot of like bickering we can do underneath this umbrella, but like my biggest question is like, so I'm assuming you did not vote for I Trump. I did not vote for Trump, and but he I did. Tell you why but, would but, I? but but let me just say real quick, let me just say that like the two of you both have just like proved to us why you relate to the struggle, right? Like in some way. So that you like overcome certain things and there's certain things that you like you know, do you feel you're doing to, to with your power to to give opportunity yeah. to people? Like sure. you both are relating to that, and yet one of you believed in this leader, and one of you did not, perhaps, or perhaps you do now. But I'm curious to see like how it was that you you relate to this experience of pulling yourself off from a certain place, and that you you know you you, be, you you're, you're relating to us on, on on feeling a certain way about humanity, and yet you also have felt like this person is fit to care for people from the top down and make. Like, also, this this law that fucked all of these sure. banks, I mean, that came from the top down. How do we feel about, like, what is going on with the power of our country? But that like, was white people trying to help black people out and saying, no, we want you guys to be able to afford a home. To be perfectly honest, this was a very democratic... We want you to uh, achieve success. Uh, <coughs> more than anything. 
here's, here's what I would say is, I wanted a woman president so bad. I, I just wanted a female president. Same reason I voted for Obama. I wanted a black president, just because I think it's silly that it's an issue. I find it to be absolute nonsense that we still get hung up on these things. I think it's nonsense. I wanted the best person for the job. The reason I could have, in theory, understood why people voted for Trump, although I think he's a classic moron and he has proven himself to be basically stupid. You disagree on this. Uh, is that he ran on the case of saying, listen, I'm going to bring basically manufacturing or lower blue-collar jobs back and that kind of stuff. And to me, this is the start of building uh, an economic infrastructure for people who may, uh, large groups of people who may not have had uh, they may not even have GEDs for, for God's sakes, but I tell you that they can probably kick ass in manufacturing, they can kiss ass, kick ass at construction, they can do all kinds of things that then, and every study after every study in the universe shows that two family households stay together much longer and you develop uh, a decent amount of an economic base. Your kids are more likely to graduate school at that point. So, and this is what I'm saying. The stats are there. So, if you wanted to believe in Trump, and I did not believe Trump, I think he's a complete ass liar, and I think he screwed over a lot of small businesses, and I think he's just dumb enough box of rocks. But if you bought into what he was saying, which a lot of people did in a lot of places that had never voted Republican before, uh, you would say, "Well, I'm hoping that this guy brings back jobs." that would return manufacturing to America and can build an economic infrastructure for people who are blue collar. No, it's fine. But you're talking about meeting in the middle. How do you decide what the middle is when nobody has the same starting point? Yeah. Well, your saying, your starting point is different than mine. No, it's no, no, different no, no, no. than yes, it is. I, it's I, so different. Yes, I, it no, is, and I, that's the I, fundamental I, thing. I think there are objective truths in this world. It shouldn't it, it, you, it, but it, it's it's you rise above things. No, 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 no. Well, well okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. We just, real, real quick, right. give me one question. No, I and, and I don't, and I definitely don't want to. Uh, definitely don't want to use any kind of. Uh, personal anecdotes, but I will say that uh, I think to the anonymous female's point that I think that's the underpinning question uh, is I think everybody would like to believe we all start at a, at, a, at, a, at the same or a similar point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I, think I don't we do. That. I don't think we do at all. I, don't agree. Does. I, I think we all start Nobody at different does. points, yeah. but I think we all... Yeah, but well, uh, in, in, in to, to put, some, put a personal spin on it, I think you asked the question uh, earlier, Dave, is um, with all of the things that you had gotten yourself into uh, earlier in life, um, what may have happened had you been a black guy? And it'd been a harder road. But I think harder is. I think harder. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I think you did admit it, but I. I how, but how, I get, how much harder? But but that's the question. Is I think that the road would have been exponentially harder. Okay, for example, um, uh, I, I'm fairly, fairly smart, fairly competent. Uh, I, I think I'm a, a 
pretty uh, decent guy and communicator. That's why we love you, baby. We love you. But um, I have seen the faces when I walk into job interviews, sure. um, and and they look at my resume and they're really trying hard to put the paper to the face, and and I can watch them going through the motions of. How can I justify giving this guy a shot? Just because you know I'm you know six foot one, two fifty plus, black guy, versus you know a six foot one, two fifty plus white guy coming in for the same job. If it was me, well wait, I'll throw it. No, and look, and look, I love all you guys, but I do believe. And and uh, and and look, I hate that I believe it, but I believe it because of experience. Okay, and I'm going to tell you two things. Yeah. One, we've all we've all talked about how nobody understands each other's experience. We're trying to. Yeah, which is which is the, which is the whole wrong question. So I believe yeah. that you believe that's what the person was thinking in their head. Yeah. I'm not going to say for sure that's what the person was thinking in their head. I'm going to say I think that that is what you interpret as the person in their head based on your experiences. And I will give you that a thousand percent because everybody wants to think what the other person is thinking and this is why things happen and then that happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that to always be true, especially in this day and age. I think uh, oftentimes it's quite the opposite. Uh, and, but beyond that, you were asking what did I mean by me in the middle? There are basic expectations. I mean that I think are universal and aren't even uh, up for contradiction or debate. One is, if you hire somebody, <laughs> you, you need them to show up and do the job. Yes, I, mean, I, I get that, but, no, but no, no, you, no, don't, you have hey, to you're, admit that you're it's not You're right. saying we're starting from a different starting point. I'm saying we're not. I'm saying there are some very, very basic ground rules that are so easy, but really... There are basic ground rules, Chris, they? but they're not... It, there's other factors that always come into play. Exactly. And you can't, can't, make the universe And until you can, not you personally, but until you, the collective, can understand yeah. and actually acknowledge so that. I just hit what I, it, it's society. You know what, you how like do you treat but, problems? Because but how you got, treat people is not the same. How Dave treats people, how Mario. I mean, it's just, it's so not real, the same. Real, real, real quick, you just real picked quick. a whole group of people. But you also that. did the same thing that you were like, we. I expect <coughs> a, a basic. Uh, I have basic expectations for who I hire, and and you're no, 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 no. suggesting what? that the group that you hire, that you are giving a chance to, can't meet those expectations. No, no, that, no that's not the case way. at all. No, no, I didn't hear that. that I will, I will give Chris that. I didn't hear that. that. Well, are you talking I about somebody specific I, then? Or? No, I said there is a basic expectation as an employer right. when you hire somebody that they're able to show up. And perform the job. Well, you, but the way you and said so, it, it sounded like you were saying like, and this, and I made no, a point that they can't. No, not at all. Let me let me take you back to the so minimum that you have to do to maintain a job. Okay, then what? That's, the that's just it. That's all you're saying. That, I, I swear to God, and I have literally hired four thousand people plus in my life. The basic expectation in this universe, and, why, and this is not. Why do you feel like you need to say that right now? Because I. Because, because you've hired a lot of people. No, but why, because this why is in not this a personal moment when, when we were talking about like uh, being different than white, 
discussion um uh and before before we go on i want to get lane's comments because i can see in his face that he's chopping it to oh no I'm, I'm 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 not i don't want to say that i'm just enjoying the uh but, but oh, you want to say something <laughs> i can see let me turn before you wait 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 give a second yeah okay
you can go about laying people off, those kinds of things. Small you, you businesses are careful. And small businesses employ the other half of America. And this is where I would absolutely buy into your argument that um, that there are probably a shit ton of people who fire people for all the wrong reasons. They don't like them. They don't. They don't hire them probably in the first place. My, my wife was a recent victim of this. Okay. <coughs> Can I interject something? Yeah. Because it's really no, interesting. Yeah, so like, um, let's say that you are a business person that has hired someone who isn't a white dude. And a small business or a corporation? Doesn't matter. No, it matters. It matters because no, this is why it matters. Wait, this is why it matters. This is why it matters. Because okay. you're saying that the basic expectation is show up and do the job. I'm saying if you were at a large corporation, you are bound by federal law. I'm actually talking small about just being able to show up and do the job. So let's That's then you know, okay. let's say small like business. Okay. Let's say small so business. let's say that uh, we are in this climate, mm -hmm. and um, we have someone who is not a white dude who is out in the world, and there are no regulations on person-to-person -person contact or your opinion about that person and how they're going to act in any kind of outdoor social climate, the out outside of a work environment. There's no like um, protection for discrimination, correct? There's no law that protects you from thinking well, and acting on your discriminatory. Your civil rights are always protected, even as a small business. You can't control how people think. Oh, I, I, I'm I'll tell you, I'm not discrimination in my company. I'm telling you, you can't. Absolutely. So let's just say though, you can't control how people think and how they categorize people, right? You can't. Oh, I can't. Sure, there's like a law for if there's an outcome. How they profile a culture is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Like if you if you act against the law and you cause someone uh, bodily harm or property harm, whatever, right? Then like you crimes are, or like sure, sure. Yeah. Then you are you are acting against, and you have protections put in place. That Absolutely not. Even as a corporation, yeah. you cannot get rid of that person. I I'm not uh, talking about that. Wait, I haven't gotten that far yet. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, slow down, slow down, no, this slow is not this is not about a corporation in any way. I am just talking about being the out yeah. in the world in a non-job situation in any way. Like you just existing from the time you get off of work to the time you have to be at work. That is like more than 12 hours of time. Just yeah. people you interact with on the street. Yes. Yeah, let's, and say, let's say like 16 hours of time when you're not yes. at work. Okay, there are so. 16 hours in the day when you are not in a regulated when environment. You're asleep for eight of them. Sure, okay, fine. So let's just say there are eight hours in the day when you are not. fuck up real bad. And we all fuck up pretty bad. Can you guys just let her get her scenario? There are things that can happen in the four hours after work and maybe like the two and a half hours before work, whatever, that can be completely based on someone profiling you that may not be totally within the lines of being against the law, but can screw up all of your ability to get to and from work. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. So, like, so what you're saying these is, things can... <laughs> yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. No, no, I know, I know exactly where... Thank you! That is one of them. Driving the black is one of them. And then another one I knew is just, like, being a woman anywhere, ever, at any time, something can happen that will... You Affect your ability to get to work. To get anywhere. Should your employer act uh, in a way that could be detrimental to your employment based on that circumstance? Well, first off, there's uh, go even, to this, even that all would sure. suck, and that can happen. But I'm just saying that, like, I would like for you to realize that beyond the economy inside of a, of a job, there is a lot more that happens that can prevent you, and it can be 
psychological oh, from yes. being able to exist and experience the same thing that you experienced in that you, time from getting off of work to going back to work. So every one of my absolutely hang on one second. Every one of my employees Every one of my employees, I'm told, is family first. Wow, Chris. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Your family comes before my business. If you have a family situation, exactly. you need to call me and tell me you have a family This situation. is about the outside world, not their family. What is yeah. that? Because, that because I feel like I'm preaching to a choir here, no, no, no. for sure. And, and so but I'm just trying to bring up things that you might so not well think about. And giving communication. But you like, couldn't because you haven't experienced it. Like, right. That's, that's right. actually illegal, in which case you can see something. That's what I'm saying. Brian, say something different. It doesn't matter what it is. It didn't have to do with family. You ended up being late. I'm the boss. And you have a reason. And you even communicate that to me. Based on how I view you, if I already have an idea, like I've profiled you, I could say, it doesn't matter if you're late. There's, but there right. are things that can happen that, that you don't even know how to like. Or if you're late three explain. times a week, for you know, like it can just, it can you're feel like you are being made crazy. But that happens. Hang on. I, I don't have one. I don't have one. But I know that they exist because it happens. And we're talking about everyone. Like, does everyone have the same starting point? Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about, well, I hire someone, and I have basic expectations. Now you have a basic starting I, point. I, told, I completely agree. Everyone has these same expectations. But what about all those people that never even got to a point where they can apply? I, I would, well, wait a second. This is different. And this is where I say, again, I agree with your point. But not why did they get there? It's, wait a second. It's a question. So not everybody has the same opportunity. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is guaranteed a job. Not everybody is guaranteed the same opportunities of anything. You're not. You're just not. In general in life, unfair as it is, and I don't care where you go in the universe, you don't have the same opportunities. Not I don't, it could be for any number of reasons. You may not be as bright as somebody else. I'm clearly not as bright as Mark Zuckerberg, and he somehow managed to kill it. You know, and I'm clearly not as smart as uh, who's actually, the lead on Shark Tank? Dan, uh, Dan, 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 because of the color of our skin and where we are sure. at our point right now. But let me start by saying Pre- that culture I, believe, skin, yes. I believe that that, yes. that, that yes. also starts with okay, yeah. Yeah. starts with overcoming just some of the basic preconceptions that everybody has. You're asking a white dude to give up his preconceptions about you know anybody else in the world. I'm asking you to go, not everything is based on gender, your race, your religion, or anything else. I actually I'm think that there are things that we there, could celebrate in the way that we ground. categorize people. This like, instead of I mean making everything sort of a... Uh, like, I, instead of assuming that because Mario is black, he's going to get less opportunity, and trying to figure out I how... I don't we can, assume that. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that... I no, 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 what, it, 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 what, I am not saying that you are, are but what well, I, and actually, I'm I think this thing, a personal example, which I think you don't like, so I'm going to do it in a different way. It. But I think, yeah. the, I think the interesting thing, but before, before you move on, is I do think, uh, in a very strange way, we're saying the same things. Yes, um, agreed. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, because... You two who run businesses have scrubbed that from your mind. 
Like, you don't hire or fire for the wrong reasons. But that was prior to even me running my own businesses. No, no, no. I guess, but what I'm saying is... Oh, we but, want but people want to come to work. You, you re, even, if you didn't call, even if you didn't call it you know, white privilege or whatever, you realize at some point that everybody didn't start at the same points and people needed a shot that maybe wouldn't have normally gotten a shot. So sure. you're like, fuck it. I'm going to give them a shot. And... And so I guess what I guess what I'm saying is we're arguing, but I think we're arguing the exact same point. I think what she's saying is to the table, but it's for the benefit of podcast land. That at a certain point, it's not about um, it's not about you know me having less opportunities because I'm a black guy or them having less opportunities because they're a woman, it's, okay, where are we as humans and what privileges do we have just because we are who we are and how do we focus those... And what perspectives might we not have by never having the experience of another person? So we don't always have the perspective, but I would say is... None of us have any other perspective, and what troubles me tremendously. I love that you just said that. Because uh, <laughs> this really does trouble me quite a bit. Is the assumption that oh, I didn't get the shot because I was a woman. I didn't get it because I was black. I didn't get it because of this or that. Sometimes things just don't work. Sometimes there's a better candidate. Sometimes there's any number of things. Sometimes you're not fired for those reasons either. What I would say is there. I believe there are a lot of times that you are. So I, I would give you that, and I, I'm not I'm not denying that. Hang on one second. Let me, let me finish this because this I think is going to be. I just want to get this point out. I think anymore in today's culture, there's also not an acknowledgement of massive male white guilt that says, I look for opportunities actively to go find people who I think need help in or would be better off and serve. For example, I will never, ever, ever go to a lawyer, doctor, professional person that is not either a black or a woman. Period. Because I understand in a weird way they have had to work probably ten times as hard as the white dude who made it. Because probably he just came from Mission Hills and he's a douchebag and went to some stupid frat at you. And I don't want there. him operating on me at all. Also you know? an assumption, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I completely agree. Yeah. But I think the assumption can work both ways sure, on both true. times. Totally true. So. And, and, and I'm the same way. I actually go out of my way to try to find individuals that have not had the opportunities that I've had to turn around and give them a chance to earn a trade. So how do you okay. feel about Trump? Tell me, please. I'm done. Okay, so, but, but, okay. Oh, now, but now, that I, now that we have found, now, now, now that we have found our common ground, I was just celebrating the accomplishments to a certain degree. One, I'm the only white dude in America who thinks OJ did not do it. But beyond that, I also Something think uh, in the last eight years we had a black president, we had a woman run for president who should have won, uh, and just ran a piss poor campaign. Otherwise, she would be president. Which I don't think you can blame Trump for that. That she just ran a campaign. If they had listened to Bill Clinton, she'd be president right now. Who told her, "Hey, why don't you go to the suburbs in Wisconsin and 
Minnesota and Pennsylvania, Michigan, yeah, and, Michigan mm-hmm. and talked to these people who have lost their jobs, and she didn't go to any one of them. We, which I was feel like we can't, we can't, uh, but, we can't but, talk about that in that kind of way because me, it but, happened the way it did, and there are probably many it is what it is now. It did. So, but she won the popular vote, so I do right. think when you say why would you vote for Trump, well, more people voted for Hillary actually. I'm so, asking him specifically. I, I would, I would say this, and I would again. Ever in my life because I think he's a goddamn idiot and he's a TV yeah, star. But what I would say is one of the biggest things that is out there and that you hear about all the time is the equal and free equal pay. And this is a big thing. And let me put a pin in that because that is a whole podcast no, know, you know, to itself. No, because we're already hour forty-seven. So, so let me. So I, I, I gotta put a pin in that because that's a whole podcast. And I really wish that you ladies were in town for that discussion. Can I go back to my question? But okay, so before before we move before we move forward. Going back, so it was uh, the question was um, what group of people did you go and experience? Uh, we that, can be feeling differently about. Yeah, I thought we that, would. Yeah, that you uh, possibly wanted to change their minds, but that you did so, but they also changed your perspective on on, on what they were doing as well. You know, like, you I would like to say that I, we've never gone in. I mean, this is just how you were, but no big deal. But I don't think we've ever gone in trying to change the minds of anybody, although though we might have disagreed with any of them. That the right. whole point, you know, it's like it's not like a like a sting sting mission or something, you know. But right. we, you know, I will say that uh, we went into the juggalo gathering like kind of hoping that that would happen. I did yeah, not would think something different. Yeah, like I thought that, like you know, like it's funny. Yeah. At the same time that we were there, feeling lots of feelings, we were watching Vice come out with like all these really. You know, they always go and do all these kind of snarky, like funny right. exposes they, they, they over like to how they're there. Well, actually, they also hipsterize. No, no, here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say yeah. that basically yeah. at this exact moment we were at, we went to something called the Miss Juggalette pageant, and it was one of the more sick things we witnessed while we it were there. It was the worst display of misogyny I've ever experienced. But it was it was also just like <laughs> horrifying in lots of other ways. So, but but then they came out with an article about how full of love it was and how joyful it was. Which now, I couldn't, like, it was the same exact thing that we said. And we were standing right exact there next to them. And it was so like, we, we were horrified, yeah. and we were like, of course, if we just read this, you wouldn't know any better, which is the whole reason we're over there, right? Yeah. And uh, we, we left feeling like this was a completely nihilistic and should, lost group I wanted us to yeah. leave early because of that experience. Which <laughs> we never do. We always stay Yeah, we stayed the whole time, and we really did everything. We, we met some really nice people. Like, we, I literally was, like, texting with some of them. We were out the whole time. But... I did not leave feeling like they, I mean, there were some very sweet and misunderstanding souls, but like, I, I, there were some women that we witnessed, and not only, but like there were some men who were all very hardworking people who were like, really, you know, just found a lot of community in what they were doing. They like, saved yeah. it really hard to get there. Yeah, they loved it, and like, yeah. we were, you know, there were a few who were very, very sweet, and we, well, that I'm was sure. great. I actually kind of felt that way whenever, um, but, whenever the Trump election was coming along, and, uh, right after the pussy grabbing, uh, Video two came out. Mm-hmm. There were four women uh, that I met in the uh, patio of the Phoenix, which is rape, by the way. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. And I was like, "How can you possibly still like fucking like support this guy?" And they just like had this. Oh, you know, he didn't really mean it and all this stuff. And I was just like, 
fuck? Are you kidding me? Well, yeah. that's what's wrong with society, though, in general. Yeah. And I know you hate that, but people tend to just, oh, well, that's just his, his you but know, I character. I can't understand these interactions. But it's not okay. It's a misogynistic... Nobody agrees, sure. but there were a lot of women. But a lot of them. I'm not well, talking just about Trump, though. I'm talking about in general people when when they know someone or want to continue to liking someone, they will find a way. Blow off. Oh, I that's agree. that's just them. You, you know, just just ignore it. This but that's my, not okay. This is my hard part about dividing people into large sections of the uh, demographic because it is repulsive to me that somebody would come out and publicly admit and I. I heard him talk about an hour stern. Yeah. He's like, I, I just go to them and grab their proceeds. Well, no, that's fucking illegal and it's rape and you should be put in jail. And yet, there were so many women I knew. He also women called are, his daughter a hot piece of ass. He did and said he would fuck her if he was younger. So, I mean, it, it was wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's completely illegal to do that. You should have been thrown in jail and yet, women are not a voting bloc. Women are just oh, women with all their own opinions. You each have your own opinion, and they're divided amongst many things. So yes, more women vote for Trump than men, but it wasn't by an enormous proportion. No, actually, there, there was still a ton of percent of the women who uh, said this was okay for Trump. Yeah. And right, go that ahead. That is not okay. Right, that's illegal. We that also are struggling with that too. Like I think all women who have experienced this very specific yeah. moment and realizing that half or more of us were okay with that. It's very hard. Yeah. One of four women have understand. been raped. I mean, one is the, what, what happens, in the, and I will absolutely be on your side all the way on this percent, it is disgusting. Throw those people in jail. Get rid of the bad apples, and I think you start to find a little bit better of a culture. Yeah, throw them in jail. Honestly, Enforcement. It's disgusting. It's a weird. Know, it's a weird, it's a weird like um, it's a weird cultural thing too, though that we we kind of get excited by this um, violence as like a parallel to sexual sexualness or, or sure. It's like sure, an erotic sure, sure. way of yep. it's social media. It's, I think it's more than that. Yeah, that brings the walk over. I think it's, it existed a long it's time ago. It's too. Well, there are people who are used to it. Depriving yourself so much that you have to have abuse. a pain. Yes. And people like who are okay with that pattern of abuse. They experience it, and so they identify with it. In little ways that we don't even always realize that it has become ingrained in our... Well, or in our what of of what we are attracted no to. No offense, I don't mean not to be crude or disgusting, but my God, I've slept with them. I pull my hair, I choke me, blah blah blah. I do whatever. I'm like, okay, this. But what you do privately little, when you're between two people who are Which, consenting, right? That's very different from like I'm the way that things are presented to I'm you. I'm completely okay with that. I think it sets. But what I think it sets a, a standard of oh, this is what women like, and guys get stupid guys. Okay, this is okay. But then stupid women are like, okay, this is okay. It's two consensual for 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 It's two cons
obvious, obviously, uh, we 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 struck a nerve that uh, we'll, we'll need to delve into into two or three different podcasts. But been a great podcast. Oh yeah, but yeah, but this, is, this has been a phenomenal conversation. But uh, I, what I don't normally do, uh, which I will do, is I will I want to give our last uh, two questions to our guests to ask the panel because uh, I think uh, I think we have uh, we've asked a lot of questions and given a lot of our our uh, opinions, but I'm sure that there are questions that you guys uh, came in here. Uh, wanting to be able to ask and uh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed you on that one, didn't I? Uh, After everything well, we Megan, yeah. Megan, Megan specifically wanted yeah. to ask Dave. Right. Well, I just, I just was. I mean, I, I think it's really cool that um, that both of you have, you know, like that you are relating in all these ways to things that people are going through, and that. You know, that you are doing a lot within your power to, or doing what you can within your power to give opportunities to people. I think that's an important thing to be really concerned with. And, like, it's really awesome to meet people who, like, keep that at the forefront of their business and are working small business and work really hard. But I just, I just think it's interesting that, I guess I'm just curious to find out how you feel like this person is going to change policy in this country to do what you're doing. On a smaller level, like how can you have, well, voted, have faith in this person who's so I this would question, argue is well, not running well, this, this business this like you are? This, this question is particularly for Dave. Yeah, for right. me, for me. But and, and, Link, and Link understands this too. Yeah. We can talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm out. Part, part, part of the problem on this has been social engineering, and that, and that's really where a lot of this went during the last eight years with social engineering. It's really not about social. People are, are able to come up due to the economy. If they make money, they can achieve success. They are able to buy things. They're able to purchase a vehicle to get themselves transportation to get to a job. So we're, we're seeing this as, pers- as, as Trump hopefully can be, and hopefully can be able to turn around the economy enough to where we create more jobs, we create more opportunities for people to get back to work, to get off welfare rolls. Uh, the long story short of it, I, I think the Great Society set up by Johnson was a failure. I think it's a 50-year failure, just like our policy to Cuba is a 50-year failure. So, you know, you can look at it both ways. You have to be able to enable people to help themselves, and, and that's what Chris and I do in a lot of ways, when we hire somebody, for example, I'm hiring at $13 an hour right now, okay? $13 an hour times 40 is $520 a week. In today's world, that's not a lot of money, but that's a start. That's pretty exciting. That's a pretty good start. Well, how do you feel about Trump? Like, talk about, like, do you think he is embodying what you hoped he would for this country in that I, I, way? I think, I think he has evolved somewhat, Yes. But my point being is that no, you, you look at how many how many how many women's organizations has he brought in to talk to? He's brought in women's organizations from healthcare, he's brought in women's organizations from small business, he's brought in all kinds of different people and he talks and listens to them. So well, we'll see, won't we? 
But we'll, we'll see. This and, is and, and that's, and that's my, and, and, and you're right, Megan, and that, that's, that's my right. point, is that we will see in the long term. Nothing happens, his, history on our presidents is never judged on their short term. It's judged on their long term. That's true. I agree with that. So, I was just so, so we have to see. So don't close your mind to the fact that you might be able to do something. And that's a very difficult thing because if you don't like no, the individual, we don't close our mind you naturally think that they can't success. do something. But in the long term, they may do very well. There's just plenty of things that are already happening that give me great pause. And I also feel very strongly about um, LGBTQIA issues, and I'm very concerned about rights and health care for people of all bodies and all persuasions, and I'm really worried about stuff he like that. He went right back to so. health care, though, after it fell the first time, didn't he? Healthcare. He's still continuing to go... Healthcare is something that's important. We need to get something done on it. Obamacare was a failure. It's just that that there's not a better solution as of now, but it was a failure. I mean, I'm, I'm not really failure. like. There's plenty of like things to talk about about. No, that's, that's a different of, discussion. Exactly, but she specifically. But also social services and things that also help people give opportunities to even be able to go to work and to. Be, have for a example, I ran for president during this last term of the, the first year of the podcast. Mm-hmm. As Rio well knows, I call myself a. Social conservative, which is a lot different than a conservative social. Think about that. Because you have to have a certain amount of social programs, but you also have to have a certain amount of capitalism. And that's what makes our country work. So you, you have the ability to raise people up. And that's what it's about when I hire these young individuals. Can I raise this person up to make them something of themselves, to make them proud of what they do every day, to give them self independence? to give them the ability to bring their families along with them. You well, know, I, think, I think just to close... These, these like, are important things I life. agree with you. And I think that to close this, or at least to sort of like bring it back around to what we originally brought to the table was just that like, I guess what I sort of can't get past a little bit is like some of the, the things that, that befell you, that put you into being homeless in the first place, were somewhat of choices you had and like of things that you had options in that like... I'm just curious what it would have been like for you if, if those things had happened to you, not because of any choices you made or like choices you were given as the person you were. But born if you had a mentor, like, how much difference I, would that I make in your life? You a, mentor. A, a mentor can make a lot of difference. I just mean there are forces that possibly might have been completely beyond your experience as a white man that, that might have been like not because you, you oh, messed up on your own. That you might have never been able to pull yourself. I out have no idea where it is to grow up. Which makes Mario some of this irrelevant. I have, you know, I have no I, idea I think, of that. I think you know, I think perfect perfect example is we were we were talking about uh, going down to uh, Gulf Shores. And um, I was saying that like, I was saying I personally uh, have no problem going to Gulf Shores. I don't want to drive there because I don't want to drive through the South, especially uh, driving through the South uh, as an interracial couple, because because that's that's. I also don't want to drive through the South. <laughs> it hurts my heart, it hurts my heart is, that you think that way. Yeah. But the thing but, is, Dave, you... But, but, I, don't dis- but, but I don't disagree but you with your thought. But you yeah. did until we explained why. Yeah, you know, but I will say that I will say the good thing for... The, 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 I think I would, the beautiful I would, thing about this circle of friends... There are a lot of locations in the South. Yeah, I think the beautiful thing... There are some beautiful places to go in the South. Yeah. Do I want to do that with Carolyn? Yeah. Well, I, and I guess that's the question. Absolutely not. I think the beautiful thing about this this group and about the the format of uh, of this podcast is 
we're able to talk about difficult subjects, ask each other difficult questions, and um, and you can watch people evolve slowly over time. You know, and you know, it, in the course of a year, you know, some of the discussions we've had on and offline, you know, we've been able to see, you know, people go, oh. I, I never thought about it that Off, way. Offline has been even more interesting than online sometimes. I, I would like to add something about this. Yeah, so, and you get, and you have not asked your question, so you get to. Oh, so, I don't have a, have a question. I just okay. have so, to but, 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 but you will, you will get our last statement, though. Okay, so this is my last statement. I have um, been a person from the South, which I guess North Carolina doesn't always count as that, but it is yeah. nice. No, it's the but South. North of the South, kind yes. of. Yeah. It was and an Confederate state, so. Right. So most of my father's family has been living there and has never left like their entire lives, including his father and his father's father and blah blah blah. And they are they sometimes are very refreshing because they will say the most stereotypical racist things, but they tell you exactly where it came from and why. And if you challenge them, they are totally willing to go there with you. And sometimes they'll be like, Oh, okay but it's not always, and they often forget. And they will also tell you, like, well, that person will never agree with you. And so there are definitely two parts of the South. There are people who are great because they're so willing to talk about things that the PC world never wants to talk about, right. politically correct world, which I think is a huge problem, and it prevents you yep. from having conversations. With you. It's like the, the word Voldemort, like never saying yeah. Voldemort, yeah. right? Yeah. It makes that problem Or gives power yeah. to something. Yeah. Yeah. The stifling so, of getting to the root of the idea. Right, so I, I often feel like I have to say that when we talk about the South, because we all are, as Northerners, like very negative about the South, even though we're basically on mm -hmm. the Bible Belt between the two right here. Around because not everybody from the South is... Horrible, stereotypical, redneck racist. So, um, with all that said, uh, I'm going to end this podcast in the way that I end all podcasts. And that is with the toast that started it off for me. And that is the good times with good people. Yay! Love it.